Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Oh, good afternoon to one and all. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you here on the Eagle Hour. What do you think of that dialect, Michael? Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> Michael's the only one wearing his green. Today. That's true. Yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah, I've got a little party going on later on today, so I'll have to get into the green. First segment. No, he just he wants people to pinch him. <laughs> That's why he's not wearing green. Just be careful. Yeah. Be careful what might happen after that. Uh, on the program today, we're going to get to, we've got a lot going on today. Brant Freeman's going to join us here in a moment. For 19 years or so, he's been involved in either the radio or TV at Texas State. The Bobcats hosting the Golden Eagles as Sunbelt Conference baseball play gets underway this weekend. Man, what a series to begin with for both of these teams. He's going to be joining us a little bit later on. Former Southern Miss basketball player Gerardo Hinton, the Richton Rambo, will be joining us to talk about uh, the impending new contract for Jay Ladner and about about uh, just his thoughts about Jay Ladner. He was very outspoken when that job came open and was very much pro. Jay Ladner, he's going to tell us uh, and why. And just to get talk a little basketball later on in the program. And then as the Southern Miss basketball program seems to be now solid as far as where they're going in the future, some other teams in the Sun Belt, not so much. Uh, some... Trees starting to shake a little bit, and some coaches are falling out some of these trees in the Sun Belt. So we'll get to all that. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Uh, just in time for Easter, you can uh, make sure that Dickie's gets your order in time for Easter for your Easter festivities, your tailgate parties, your graduation parties. A lot of uh, seniors now are having their graduation parties, getting ready for the big day in May. Dickie's Barbecue Pit with all the, the great fresh smoked meats and sides can help you. Big supporter of Southern Miss. Southern Miss Athletics and of this program. Brant Freeman joins us now on the telephone. As we mentioned, 19 years involved in broadcasting. He's a Texas State graduate. And actually, today's game will feature the 11-5 and Bobcats against the 11-5 and Eagles. Brant, as we welcome you to the show, man, what a great way to start the Sun Belt season. If both teams play up to their capability, this is going to be a great weekend. Yeah, guys, this is something else, and thanks for having me on again. Always a pleasure talking to y'all, and, um, you know, I've had this uh, series circling on the calendar for quite a bit. Um, you got two teams, you know, picked to finish first and second of the conference. Both teams won 47 games last year. Both teams won the regular season in their respective conferences last season. Both teams at the NCAA tournament. Both teams have two preseason All-Americans, so, I mean, like the – the parallels between these two programs is unreal. Um, and so this is going to be, you know, a, a series to watch 
all weekend. And Brant, talking about those preseason polls, I think some people maybe thought that that Southern Miss just got the preseason uh, number one spot just due to the fact that what they had last year. But, you know, there were some question marks coming in. Kind of similar. I mean, that's another parallel with Texas State. You lost a lot but brought back some really important pieces, probably the first and foremost being Levi Wells as that ace and won't start on Friday this weekend. We'll go on Saturday, I think, is the projection. What does mm-hmm. Levi Wells do so well on the mound to shut down? He's seen some really good lineups in his career and has continued to be really, really good. Yeah, his command, I think, has been the most important part of his success in terms of, like, uh, you know, uh, on the mound mechanics. Um, he was the opening day starter this year. Uh, last year, he was the Saturday guy, um, but he got bumped up to Fridays this year. Um, injuries kind of shuffled the deck a little bit, got hurt shortly before his schedule started at Grand Canyon two weeks ago and did not pitch that weekend. Um, he was able to return this past Sunday. Um, but the Friday starter got hurt in his start last week, Zeke Wood, and so shuffled the deck again um, a little bit. But uh, you're getting back to Levi. You know, he's a fastball, slider, curve, change kind of guy. Can really locate his pitches extremely well. Throws strikes, doesn't walk many batters, doesn't really work himself into big innings. Um, he's a competitor out there, you know, and I know the, the Golden Eagles have plenty of those types of pitchers on the mound, including the guy we'll see tonight, Tanner Hall. Um, and Levi Wells kind of fits in that mold, and, you know, he's a, he's a kind of no-nonsense pitcher that go, comes right after you. So when you look at, the, at both of these lineups, though, if you had to look at offensive prowess so far, you'd have to give a slight nudge to the Bobcats, and I'm trying, to be, <laughs> trying to be nice here <laughs> to Southern Miss, but man, you guys put runs up, too. That's, gotta, that's, that's easy on any pitching staff when, generally speaking, you know you're going to get some support. Hey, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's no question about that, and, and the ballpark in St. Marcus can, play, can be very offensive. Um, you know, a year ago, the team set a program record for home runs, 87. This year, they're on pace for like 130, the way they're hitting them. I don't know if that pace is going to keep up, wow. but it's been remarkable to watch. Um, they hit 13 opening weekend against Northwestern. They hit a dozen this past weekend against North Dakota State. Now, if the wind is blowing out, you know, both teams can be very offensive. If it's blowing in, it plays much smaller. And we saw that this past Sunday in the finale of the North Dakota State Series. The two teams last Saturday combined to hit 14 home runs. Neither team hit a home run Sunday. Now, I think the wind's projected to be blowing into the park for most of this weekend. So I don't know if we'll see the power that we, uh, from the Bobcats that we have the first, you know, six, four or five weeks of the season. Um, but it's a team that can really make you pay. The key against them is you can't, you can't make those uh, home runs. You can't turn them into two or three run homers. You can't walk batters. You know, if you're the opposing team, you can give up solo home runs and survive. You give up those three run homers to them. It's going to make it for a long. It's going to make it make it for a long game. Brent, one of the things that the Eagles have struggled with is scoring with men in position. They just haven't been, they've left a lot of people on base. Now, it has been better the last couple of games, but earlier in the season, really struggling with that. How do the Bobcats do in that particular category, coming through with big hits with men on base? 
Uh, it's varied, you know, game to game. There have been some games they've left, you know, eight, nine, ten men on, and those, those that number uh, with runners in scoring position, you know, it, it kind of lacks. Um, and that, that kind of goes hand in hand with the games they have lost and the games they have won. They come through in those situations. They have some very capable hitters, you know, in, in those types of situations. Namely, uh, Jose Gonzalez is one of the best hitters in the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, a good-looking sophomore at first base, Dalen Pena. They brought in a new shortstop this year, Davis Powell, who factors into the run game quite a bit. Um, so, you know, if they're able to come through with runners in scoring position, then they become very tough to beat. If they don't, then they become very beatable. Um, you're talking to Steve Trout, the head coach, early in the week, thought that um, maybe they were swinging for the fences too much. Uh, early part of the year, and they've done better with their approach at the plate and not just looking to hit the home run. Well, however they were swinging it, they were <laughs> doing a pretty good job, whatever their, whatever the approach was. I, I want to ask you, uh, Brent, you talk about the dimensions of the ballpark there, and obviously this this is the inaugural Sunbelt weekend series for Southern Miss in year one in the Sunbelt. For Southern Miss fans that are traveling to San Marcos, I know of a few that's one of the longest divisional trips uh, for the Golden Eagles, but there'll be some black and gold in the stands. What do uh, what is the expectation? What will be the environment for Southern Miss fans making their first uh, weekend series in San Marcos? The fans here get very engaged. You know, it's a park that has a capacity of about twenty five hundred. Um, you know, it's it's a good looking ballpark. It's field turf surface. Um, they have a, some nice aesthetics. They they actually there's actually a um, a train car, a caboose, that serves as a suite on the first base side, uh, which kind of adds to, again, the um, the aesthetics to the ballpark. Um, a reason for that is that you know, trains are a big part of San Marcos. There are tracks going behind both right and left field um, at, at Bobcat Ballpark. Uh, they can get very windy there, so, again, the park can play very offensive. In terms of the fans, they've been averaging about – uh, about 1,700 a game this year. They, they, they just drew about 2,500 on uh, Tuesday when they beat 11th-ranked TCU. It was the 12th largest crowd in program history. Um, they had good attendance numbers last year. They kind of went hand-in-hand with the winning. Um, this is spring break, so you kind of wonder about student turnout, but when they do turn out, the students get very engaged you know, in the games. Um, so it could be a really, really raucous environment, you know, and, and I look forward to some big crafts this weekend because the fans are aware of what this series could ultimately mean. Yeah, and you know what's interesting to me, Brent, among other things, is the state of Texas is so labeled as football country, right? Mm-hmm. And lots of times baseball gets swept under the rug, but when you look at the history of the state, I mean, the Longhorns oh, have been good forever, seemingly, you know, forever. TCU is good. You guys are, have got things rocking and rolling uh, in the in the Sun Belt. So don't forget Texas baseball, too. And the Eagles are going to are gonna see a fill of it this weekend. We're going to continue our discussion with Brant Freeman on the other side of the break. And we're going to ask him, too, how many, all things considered, how many teams does the Sun Belt get in postseason play if all the Sun Belt teams play like they're capable of? That and more stuff as a Friday Eagle Hour continues in a moment.
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. We're in the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg. We, meaning I'm Kelly Sander, producer-engineer Michael Mergens, and the brass youngster Ben Milam, in this week for Luke Johnson and Bob Getty. They're both off this week, and uh, they're on their, air quotes, spring breaks. Uh, they'll be back next week. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmart, the big gold building right across from, you know where Campus Bookmart is. They're available 24-7 on the web at Campus Bookmart. That's with a T, campusbookmart.net. This internet thing I still think is a fad. I think in a couple of years it'll go away. So if you want to take advantage of it. Right. Do it now. Yes. Yeah. Do it now before <laughs> it goes away. Everything that is Southern Miss apparel wise uh, gift wise is there at campus bookmark continuing our conversation with brant freeman of the texas state bobcats he's doing some tv he's done radio nobody knows the bobcats like he does a baseball wise so going into this weekend tell us about your starting rotation what you've seen from him so far brant and then some of the other names that some of the big hitters that you referred to earlier and some people some names that southern miss people are probably going to hear this weekend yeah, sure. So, again, as I kind of mentioned, we're talking about Levi Wells. The rotation um, has uh, changed a bit this weekend because of some injuries. So the Friday starter each the past two weeks, Zeke Wood, um, got hurt during his start last week, and so he's not available the entire weekend. Um, so he will not pitch. Uh, Levi Wells has been bumped up from Sunday to Saturday. You'll see him Saturday, and you'll see – uh, Houston Cougar transfer Nathan Madrano on uh, Sunday. Madrano uh, pitched six scoreless innings in a win at Grand Canyon, quality win there a couple of weeks ago. Um, he'll be the starter on Sunday. Wells, as we talked about, is a preseason All-American pitcher and a Golden Spikes Award watchlist guy like Tanner Hall. Um, now tonight, uh, because Wood's not available, they're going to throw Cam Bush. 11 career starts, none though so far this year. Was a freshman All-American in the uh, COVID-shortened 2020 year. Um, has primarily been a bullpen guy. I'd be surprised if you got more than four innings out of him tonight. So they're going to have to cut the game up a little bit this evening. Um, in terms of hitters, uh, Jose Gonzalez, that's yeah. the guy you want to watch. Um, third year now with the program. Uh, second team all conference guy last year, and, and he could really be in the conversation for player of the year this year. Special hitter, uh, could hit all sides of the field, um, all parts of the field, I should say. Lefty hitter, but he could certainly drive it to the opposite field. Um, good home run power, good base runner. He would be the hitter to watch if I'm an Eagle fan this weekend. So he can rake, as the kids say. Yeah. Yes, he can. <laughs> Uh, Brent, I want to ask you about Chase Mora. He's he the true freshman. It's only gotten six starts, but as has been made aware nationally in the media, seven home runs and twenty eight at bats. So that's a home run for every four abs for those keeping score at home. What has he done so well? How has that changed the, the Texas State offense? He got the start against TCU. You expect him to start all weekend long. What, what does he bring to the offense? You know, it's so weird because you look at him, he's six foot and 155 pounds. I mean, he, he, he does not look the part of Slugger, yet you kind of went through the numbers. It was, so he has nine hits on the year, seven of them home runs, and those seven homers have come in three games. Um, in his first three at-bats, he hit home runs. 
um, and became the first player in college baseball history to do that. And they hit four homers last Saturday against North Dakota State, first player in the country to do it this year and the first freshman to do it since 2015. Um, this is a great approach to the plate, obviously, you know, and and um, uh, he's kind of worked himself into becoming an everyday player. But, you know, he is a freshman and runs into, runs into some freshman moments. And I think at times because he's, hit the, he's hit, the, hit the ball so hard, maybe tries to hit home runs every time. And a young hitter's got to learn that's, you know, uh, you got to change your approach. Other teams are going to figure it out. They're going to get the scouting report on you, you know. And I think once he makes that adjustment, um, combined with the power he's already showing, he could be a very special player down the road. And I, I would think you'll see him all weekend long. So it sounds like that, that this is somewhat of a surprise to you guys. Well, it would be a surprise to anybody that he would hit with, with this kind of power. But what was, what was the scouting report on his skill set coming to the program? Uh, he was a solid player for sure, but yeah. I don't think anybody first all this. He yeah. Six home runs his entire senior year of high school, you know, and then he comes up in college and makes it look so easy. Um, so I, I don't think they projected him to be this this type of hitter, at least not early on in his career. when um, he was not an opening day starter, you know, and, and I mentioned the the three homers he hit his first three at bats did so coming off the bench. Um, it was a pinch hit homer in, in game two of the year. When the Bobcats were running away, what was a twenty to five win over Northwestern, and a game again came off the bench the following day, and what was a twenty four to four win over Northwestern. So he wasn't even starting opening weekend, um, you know. And that's not to say he wasn't good enough. It's just that there were some veteran guys ahead of him, you know, that had earned the the, the right to to get the starts the opening weekend. Uh, but he certainly made things, um, you know, uh, uh, challenging, I guess you could say, from a lot of perspective that it's hard to keep his bat now in the dugout. And that's, that's a good lesson to little leaguers out there, that when your opportunity comes, be ready for it. Yeah. Obviously, he was, Chase Moore was, and you'll see him, you know, this weekend. So, Brant, it's uh, we start to wind down this conversation. We mentioned it going into the break. When you look at teams like Texas State, Southern Miss, South Al, Louisiana, Old Dominion, Coastal Carol. I mean, the list. Troy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Troy. Yeah. The list goes on and on. So, all things being equal, when the smoke clears at the end of the season, besides just the conference tournament champion, how many other teams get to go? Do you think? You know, you qualified that when we were speaking before the break about if the teams all play up to their capabilities. You know, that's the big. Uh, that's a big part of it. If that does stay true, if everybody plays the expectations that that are there, I would say it could be a four-team bid, a four-team uh, uh, four-bid league, maybe as many as five, given just how good the quality of play is. Um, I, th- I do think you're going to see a lot of teams beat each other up, though. You know, because the league is so competitive, it's going to be hard to get a lot of separation. It's going to be hard to get multiple 40-win teams in there. So non-conference play for everybody is going to be so important. Um, I talked to Steve Trout earlier in the week, and, and he said, look, every game literally matters, you know, because the, the auto bid goes to one team. You've got to punch your ticket, you know, a, another way if you don't win the conference tournament. So you've got to take care of business in non-conference play. You've got to win a number of series in Sunbelt play. Um, but I think that Southern Miss, Texas State, Louisiana – you know, uh, Old Dominion, 
Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama, Troy, all in the conversation for the for an NCAA tournament bid this year. It's going to be a lot of fun between now and May. Well, Ben, I was just thinking, like, we, you take the Big 12 Conference in basketball yeah. and the SEC, I mean, and the Big 10, they all beat each other. I mean, Iowa State is a sixth seed in the basketball tournament, and they were 9-9 right. and nine right. in conference play. Yeah. So why couldn't that be the case in baseball? Well, I, I would imagine – and hope that the committee recognizes the the quality of depth in the Sun Belt. And I do want to touch on that, Brant. I mean, obviously the Sun Belt was a strong baseball conference in the past couple of years, but then you bring in Southern Miss and Old Dominion, who just narrowly missed the tournament last year, and like Texas State, have had one of the better offenses in the country through non-conference play. What do you see as the trajectory of this conference? What, how good can this conference be? And even as it is already obviously very good. I think it's hands down the best um, non-Power 5 conference in the country. Yeah. And I would say it's probably better than you know one or two of the other Power 5 conferences. Um, and that's going to go a long way towards you know the uh, NCAA tournament. You mentioned... You know, other teams, you know, in the Big 12, for example, teams beat each other up but still send five or six teams. Those are Power 5 conferences, and let's call it what it is. Right. There's a Power 5 bias. Sure. Um, the Sun Belt has to break that. But I think in college baseball, they do have a reputation for being a very good conference. And I think the committee will take that into consideration. You know, last year, the Sun Belt sent, uh, you know, four teams to the NCAA tournament. You add. You know, Southern Miss, who won 47 games. Old Dominion, who won 43. Um, you know, I don't see any reason why there can't this cannot be another four- or five-bid year for the Sun Belt. Well, you know, players get fired up for series like this this weekend. Uh, fans get fired up. Make no mistake, if you're a broadcaster, you too get fired up for series like this one. And, Brant, you'll get the call tonight on ESPN Plus, if I'm not mistaken, as the uh, as the Eagles and Bobcats uh, tangle in game one of a three-game series, the Sun Belt weekend opener for both teams. And uh, thank you again, Brant, for, for your time, and, and have a good call this weekend. Guys, I appreciate it. Can't wait for the baseball. <laughs> they are getting to play in San Marcos tonight, reigning in Hattiesburg as was projected That's right. uh, yesterday. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of bas- basketball. NIT Championship Team of Southern Miss in 1987. Gerardo Hinton, the Richton Rambo, is on that team. He's going to join us. He was very outspoken about hiring Jay Ladner and took a very unpopular stance saying that Jay deserved the fourth year. Well, when Jay got the fourth year, we've seen what has happened. We're going to check in with the Richton Rambo and see about uh, the trajectory of this Southern Miss basketball program, even though some other Sunbelt teams are making changes. Ben will have that for you in the fourth segment, but the Richton Rambo, Gerardo Hinton, is next on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Fourth Street Bar and Grill sponsors this segment of the Eagle Hour. They've got all the NCAA tournament basketball games on all the different TVs. Uh, even the women's tournament even begins today, so you can catch some of that as well. Iowa State, my alma mater, beginning at about 2.15. 
this afternoon against Pittsburgh, the team that knocked out uh, Mississippi State. But it's tournament weekend at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly Sander, along with producer-engineer Michael Mergens and Ben Milam, joining us now on, he's actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma as we speak, but the Richton Rambo, Gerardo Hinton, member of the 1987 NIT championship team for Southern Miss. Rado, we're talking in the fourth segment uh, after we get done with you today about some other teams in the Sun Belt making basketball coaching changes. One of those teams will not be Southern Miss. Uh, Jay Ladner's agent uh, negotiating a new deal with the university and Jeremy McLean. When the job initially came open, you were very public very public about your support for Jay Ladner, and you knew that it might take a little time, but that it would happen. You were a teammate of his, full disclosure, but what made you so absolutely confident that Jay Ladner was the guy? Well, uh, first of all, Kelly, thanks, thanks for having me. Um, Jay, if, if you look at his track record, uh, Jay has won every level that, that he's coached. Um, he, he won um, state championships at St. Stanislaus. He won the uh, uh, junior college national championship at John Junior College. And then he, he got things turned around at uh, Southeast Louisiana. And the same thing is happening here now. I mean, Jay is a great coach. Uh, Jay, he's, he's one of the smartest guys I have ever met in my life. And as far as coaching goes, Jay was brought up around coaching. You, you know, his right. dad coached. Uh, he lived, what, a few blocks from uh, Coach Turk? Right, sure did. You know, and, and then uh, uh, one of his, his mentors is uh, Coach, Coach Harry Reeland. Right, at Oak Grove you High know, School. So, yeah. At Oak Grove High School. And so it's like Jay was born, born to coach. And, um, and and he's you know it it took him a while to get it done here at Southern Miss, but this year I think really surprised everybody, including me, because I didn't expect us to do this good. But there's a few words that Jay uses when he uh, when we talk, and I, I listen to those words, and then I can I can pretty much tell okay we're going to be okay or we're going to be good, or, you know, not so good. But, um, but Jay, Jay is just a smart, smart basketball guy, you know, and, and he, he's doing well, and this contract that, he, that he's going to get is, is deserving. I mean, he, he, he's done a great job this, this season. All right, but, but last year, and, and you'll grant this, that, that really the pro-Ladner people, there weren't very many. Pro, pro Ladner people after the first three years they said yeah we love Jay but all right he got the fourth year you were very very much in favor of that fourth year we on the ego hour were very much in favor of that fourth year and it turns out Rado you were right okay. If if Nick Saban would have had those three years I'm pretty sure that that there, there would be no pro Nick Saban uh, fans either, but you know Jay did have you know three three bad years. But I I've always known that Jay could do it, that he could get it done. And Jay Jay made some moves, and you know some moves, you know pretty much 
uh, hurt some feelings uh, around you know the Southerners family, right? Uh, but it it helped, and then you know some of the moves that that he made, you know, some of the uh, uh, Southerners uh, family loved it, you know, and when he brought in Cardona uh, and Hase and uh, AC and um, Alvarez, right. I mean, I mean, those guys, man, those guys made a huge, huge difference uh, on this team. And you know, and sometimes it's not about the X's and the O's. You know, it, it's 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 the coaching uh, hires that you make. You know, and the players that you bring in. And you know, and he brought in two absolutely great guys, uh, Cardona and uh, Coach uh, Nick. Well, I, I had this team projected at 18 wins, Ben, before. So I, so I didn't, as positive as I was, it was going to turn around. I didn't even think they'd put up the numbers they did this year. Well, I, I think the most positive, you were probably, you know, projecting one of the highest win totals. I, I think most people, they were saying, okay, if we can get to 500, if we can be somewhere in the middle of the pack in the Sun Belt, then I think that warrants another year. And obviously, they blew that out of the water. It, it's an interesting conversation Gerardo when you talk about giving a coach another year because in this in modern basketball and just in general college the college athletics landscape is win big win now not a lot of guys are gonna get you know an extra year just the benefit of the doubt in general I want to talk to you about from your perspective as a former player and we asked coach Ladner this on Tuesday what do you feel like the the ceiling is, the potential for this Southern Miss basketball program? Because part of these first three years, you got to admit, Southern Miss is a and has historically been a tough job for a head coach and a tough sell for players. Yeah, but now that you have the proof of concept, you did it. You can you won the Sun Belt in the regular season. Moving forward, Gerardo, how do you see the trajectory of this program moving forward? Uh, the the name of the game is to win. You know, and if you win, you're going to bring bring the recruits in. You know, they're going to want to play play for Southern Miss and and Jay. But I just I think that we can be either back to where we used to be uh, as a basketball pro- program, or or go go as 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 far as those other other teams did. You know the teams that uh, uh, Spoon, uh, Darren Chancellor, Barry uh, uh, Jenkins, uh, the teams that they played on, those guys were outstanding. I mean, they they had from point guard all the way to the five. You know, they had a team, and I think uh, Jay Jay uh, is going to bring in the the right guys. And 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 mostly the guys that want to be here, and I think once once he does that, he can he can easily continue um, his 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 winning ways, and um, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited as because uh, uh, um, you, you know with, with the guys that we have uh, coming back, and then uh, he has a JUCO transfer that will be eligible next year and. Word up, word is is this guy, this guy is the real deal. And and a Louisiana kid from Louisiana too that we may be hearing something about here very very soon. Who is uh, among the very best in that state? 
So, and, and you know, but the landscape of basketball has changed in that you used to recruit high school seniors, right? Yeah. Well, now right. when you look at some of these teams that are in the top of the NCAA tournament, it's not unusual to find guys that are 25 years old. 24, because of COVID has a lot to do with that, right? Yeah. But I mean, the transfer portal, international players, which if it's not broken, don't fix it. So you would certainly think that, that Ladner and company would go to the international market and bring some of these kids in. Does that make sense to you, Rado? It makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, you give me another Hase and another Alvarez for the next two or three years, I'll, I'll gladly accept that. <laughs> Um, um, I met Hase uh, the first time in uh, when we played Vegas. I didn't happen to be in Las Vegas at the time, and and I went to the game. And uh, you know he didn't have a really good game, but you can tell that he could play. And after the game, I spoke to him, and uh, and I told him, "Hey, keep 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 shooting it, keep shooting it. it it's gonna fall." And, I mean, he had a big old smile on his face, and, and he said, hey, confidence is not my problem. <laughs> and when he said that, I, I said, hey, I like this guy. Well, Alvarez like Alvarez headed for uh, post-season foot surgery, uh-huh. but should be ready to go. You know, by now, And he's back yeah. and, and has said he's coming back. So uh, I think things are looking good. I have to say, though, Rado, when I see you at the games – your, your Southern Miss apparel, you need to go to a different dry cleaner because your clothes appear to be shrinking on you a little bit. Um, not so much, uh, not so much of the clothes shrinking, but um, I think I may be a size a size or two bigger than I was when I played. Well, good for you because I'm about ten sizes bigger uh, than I. <laughs> and, and very quickly, very quickly, you want to go on public record as saying Willie Brown shot free throws a little bit. We love Willie, but he didn't wasn't as good a free throw shooter as you. Not as good as me. Um, I, I think I did shoot just a little better. But, uh, you know, after practice every day, uh, Coach Turk would uh, put us on the line to run sprint. And he would put Willie Brown on the free throw line and say, if Willie hits two in a row, we don't have to run. So you guys were running well, what, a lot. Well, we everybody just went to the line and started running, you know. <laughs> Rado, always good to talk to you. Thanks, buddy. All right, Kelly. Take care. Gerardo Hinton, the Richton Rambo, got that nickname because the guy's never heard of a layup. If he's going to the hoop, he's he's going to try to break the glass down. Uh, that's just that's just the style of player that he was. When we come back, Ben Milan's going to get us up to date. There is some basketball movement in the Sun Belt. Some other teams are making some coaching changes. We'll have it for you when the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Southern Miss to the top. Thanks to our fourth segment sponsors, D1 and DBAT Baseball and Softball Academy. Might be raining outside in Hattiesburg and only going to be about 52 degrees tomorrow, but it's always sunny, warm, and they're ready for you at D1 and DBAT Baseball and Softball Academy for you to sharpen up your softball and baseball skills. A shout out to Mobay Beignet, the official beignet company of the uh, the Eagle Hour. We enjoy beignets there. And again, they don't even make them until you order them. So you're not getting something that was warmed up, you know, three days ago, right? And they, they do like melt in your mouth. You can get the smaller ones. You can get the bigger beignets, all the powdered sugar and the different flavored syrups. 
Man, it's good stuff. Mobay Beignet. And a special welcome to our new sponsor on the Eagle Hour, Janet King, the King of Clean. Their team's been working together for over 35 years. Seems like just yesterday. Cleaning your places for work, education, medical facilities, eateries, stadiums, and worship. You can find out more about their services by going to Janet King Cleans. That's J-A-N-I, Janet King Cleans dot com. What do you think, Mark? That was a pretty clean read for me it today. It was a very clean read. You know, a little bit of the Paul Harvey with the Janet King Cleans dot com. That's why I need to stop. <laughs> okay. All right. Because you're going to start talking like that all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Hey, it did, it did well for him, right? He, that was a different generation, though. Yeah. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't quite fit Man, I, I can't help but think the quality never goes out of style, though, does it? Yes, it does. Okay. If, All if right. you listen to music, if you watch TV, seen a movie lately. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. We mentioned that Southern Miss is in good basketball hands right now. At least the seas are certainly smooth on the basketball front for Southern Miss. But Ben Milam, other teams in the Sun Belt, not so much. Yeah, as of last week, we had one opening, and as of yesterday afternoon, actually still one opening, because that opening uh, from last week and the coming or the past couple of weeks after the end of the regular season, Georgia Southern let go Brian Berg, and uh, he's been there for a good number of years, and uh, just recently, I think on Tuesday afternoon, it would have been Monday or Tuesday, it was announced they are hiring Charlie Henry. He is uh, currently with uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide as an assistant, finishing out the NCAA tournament with the top-ranked Tide or top-seeded Tide. And uh, he's got a great background. He's He's been um, in the coaching profession for about 15 years, spent some time in the NBA, was in the G League, was actually with the Chicago Bulls for a little bit. Um, and so that that is seen, I think, as a, as a strong hire and then the one announced yesterday, there was some waffling about in the media of whether or not this was going to happen. But Arkansas State ad- announced announced yesterday that officially, uh, officially, yeah. it came out. Yeah, because yeah. Anyways, there were there were words that it was happening or had happened. But Mike Bellato, after six years in Jonesboro, will not have his contract renewed. Uh, finished thirteen and twenty overall this past season. But don't you think what killed him there, Ben, was the was the conference uh, record? What they lose their last ten or something? Yeah, well, they lost fifteen of their last nineteen. They lost ten mm-hmm. straight from December December to February. And so, yeah, I, I think that is. You know, we've talked about we talked with Brant about the quality of the baseball, but I think the trajectory may not be quite as up, you know is upward pointing. Um, it might be a little bit of a slower build because it's it is a one bid league as we've talked about but i think there's a lot to be excited about in terms of sunbelt basketball once all of the the four schools were announced uh, last year the um the athletic office and keith gill and all those people that lead the sunbelt came out and specifically talked about a commitment to bettering the basketball side of things and i think this is sort of a trickle down effect i think you you see in a lot of one bid leagues a little bit of complacency and guys that you know hang around for 10 or 15 years whereas in a conference that are forward looking and really making a commitment to breaking out of that one bid league cycle a little bit um, you know they probably wouldn't have hung on for that long and so i think this is a case of that it's a, it's a commitment to 
playing high-level basketball top for, from top to the bottom of the well, well, the media and coaches really blew it in the preseason polls this year when it came to Sunbelt basketball because Louisiana Monroe was projected to finish second to last, yeah. and our beloved Golden Eagles were finished projected to finish dead last. And you understand it. You understand it, but not only did they way underestimate Southern Miss, but they underestimated Louisiana Monroe as well. I think a lot of people thought that the Warhawks were going to make a change in basketball. Yeah. Didn't finish as strongly as they started, but it certainly, would you agree, was a better season, far better season than they even anticipated in Monroe. Absolutely. And and as we talked about with Coach Ladner on Tuesday, that is a difficult job. Those, mm-hmm. are, those facilities are behind a little bit, and as they took a jump forward this year, and as did Southern Miss, I, the momentum for some of those bottom half programs historically are, um, yeah, moving forward, moving quickly. All right, so the men, baseball team at San Marcos against Texas State. Uh, three games this weekend beginning tonight. Softball also opening the conference slate. The ladies against Louisiana. That game today has been pushed to tomorrow. That's correct. One o'clock is the start tomorrow in that doubleheader. Yeah, doubleheader tomorrow at one, and then, of course, the finale on Sunday. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson will be back with us on Monday. Ben, always good to have you along, man. Always good to be here, Ken. Appreciate your your, uh, your insight. Michael, have a good weekend. You too. You got your St. Patrick's Day stuff on, and we'll be getting you ready for another week of uh, Southern Miss sports. The football team heads back to the Springfield, so to speak, on Tuesday at 8 o'clock. We'll have all the Southern Miss updates for you beginning Monday at 1 o'clock. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Until we talk to you on Monday, Southern Miss to to the the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.